Welcome to episode 50 of the Montana Values Podcast. In this show, we'll talk about how you could be giving the shirt off your back to local government and not even know you're naked. Let's talk all about it with our host, Tammy Fisher. Welcome back, folks. We're going to embark on a series here at MVP to inform Montanans of how local government goes rogue right before our eyes. These actions are hiding in plain sight, and if Montanans aren't paying attention, well, these actions occur without consequence to anyone except the Montana taxpayers. City government is full of employees and elected officials who work really hard. City government and all government can also attract people with agendas other than public service and who utilize city government to pursue personal agendas. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And while our city governments in Montana are designed well, if no one is minding the store, taxpayers get robbed blind, and absolute power is created because no one stands up and says anything. And truth be told, government is boring. Politics might be interesting to some, but government and how it functions is a snoozer. This is just like a kid that knows where there's cookies in the cookie jar. They wait for mom to fall asleep, to doze off, and then raid the cookie jar. That's what folks who work in government can do, too. They wait for their colleagues and residents to doze off. And it's the few that raid the cookie jar that spoil the well for the rest of the good folks who believe in public service and who are devoted public servants. One way government robs the cookie jar is by misusing funds, not stealing, but misappropriating funds designated for certain purposes and just using them for pet projects or a pet purpose. You see, in Montana, we have statutes that tell us exactly how public funds can be used. And funds put into one bucket can't be used to fill another bucket. These are great rules, laws to have because they tell city government, you can't screw over the taxpayer. But unless the rules are enforced by colleagues in government or the taxpayers, well, a government official can simply not follow the rules and suffer no consequence. Rules are only as good as their enforceability. So when anyone says, there ought to be a law, when someone goes rogue, the response should always be, how will that law be enforced? And who will enforce it? And we talk about this problem all the time here on MVP because, unfortunately, we have people robbing us blind here in Montana, elected officials, and no one does a thing about it. Remember the historical chairs? What about the Public Service Commission? Everyone knows what happened in those two instances, and they know it was not only wrong, but illegal. And despite multiple complaints filed by taxpayers, no one in a position of enforcement of the rules is doing a damn thing. Not one thing. So corruption continues because those with authority to act won't act. They just refuse to. They just let it slide. Well, for the true believers out there that want government to fix all the ails of society, this is a lesson to you. If you give government power, government will use it and will use it against the very people it is supposed to serve. So when we talk about limited government as conservative Republicans, when we talk about less government, small government, for us, as conservative Republicans, 
we have seen how power corrupts. And giving any part of our lives or our societal issues that need resolving to government just increases the opportunity for government to go rogue, to engage in corruption, to go unchecked. So for us, government should be limited to very basic functions because while it has some really good people, it attracts corrupt people who place self-interest above public service, who know that their acts of self-interest go unchecked without an engaged public and engaged colleagues. One way the government steals from taxpayers is through the misappropriation of TIF dollars. And hang in here, folks, because I'm going to give a dissertation on TIF funding and try to simplify a somewhat convoluted topic to keep you from falling asleep. So drink some coffee and perk up. TIF funding is tax increment financing. It's a tool that cities use to redevelop dilapidated areas. It's a great mechanism, but if misused, it's simply a slush fund for governments to use on pet projects that don't meet the statutory qualifications. But it's used as a slush fund because no one holds elected officials accountable for the misuse and misappropriation of TIF dollars. So here's how TIF funds work. Cities operate based upon property tax collections. These property taxes go into a general fund to pay for all city services, snow removal, lights, parks, roads, cops, firefighters. Taxes rise on an annual basis, typically, when city budgets are approved. The city gets to increase your taxes annually based upon mills, and the state tells the cities how many mills it has available to tax. So, for example, very simplistically, if we have 100 mills and a mill is worth a buck, the state says, city, you can tax 100 mills and collect 100 bucks. So let's say you have an area of town that's fallen apart, high crime, low investment. So the city isn't generating much in tax dollars from that area of town because your property taxes are based on the value of your property. Well, this would be an area of town that has low property values because it's dilapidated. And now the city wants all parts of the town to contribute to the general fund because that means more services, more tax dollars, and arguably a dilapidated area of town uses more law enforcement resources than a nice area. But because of the low tax base in that area, it isn't contributing its fair share for the law enforcement services. So the city draws a circle around the worn down area. And for the next 15 years, the taxes that go to the general fund from that area are capped at that $100. But the value of the mills increases or the number of mills available increases over those 15 years. And the taxes collected from those increases go into a separate pot, not the general fund, but a TIF fund. So the taxpayers in the area still pay for the tax increases, But any increases over that $100 goes not to the general fund, but to the TIF fund. So who gets screwed in that deal? Well, the schools and the counties, because they go without that increase too. And they're willing to forfeit that increase because the means are supposed to be worth the ends. Because if that area after 15 years is redeveloped, it will pay more in property taxes to the schools and to the county. So the schools are willing to delay gratification because ultimately they get more if the tax base increases through redevelopment. And this is a hard sell for schools that barely get by anyway. And it's a hard sell for the county and any other entity that benefits from over-year increases in property taxes, including fire and law enforcement. Because for up to 15 years, Those important tax-funded entities get squat. Think about it. 
over the past 15 years, if your wages have increased, what if your boss just set aside those wage increases and said, I'm going to use those wage increases to build my business. And since the expansion will increase revenues in year 16, you'll get double the salary. That's a risk, right? Puts a lot of faith in the boss, right? Well, TIF districts do the same thing. School districts, fire, county, law enforcement, etc., put a lot of faith in the cities that they will make investments with the school's portion of the increased taxes that will pay off for the schools in the end. And often this formula works. There's some great examples of this around Montana. When you turn a train station into an outdoor mall, you get some great new tax base. When you turn an abandoned warehouse into a brewery, you get some great new tax base. When a city flattens abandoned buildings and sells off the new lots for redevelopment, and the lots are in fact redeveloped, that's a huge boost to the tax base. But then there's the belly flops that undermine faith in the whole TIF funding process. And I experienced this in the city of Kalispell. When I took over as mayor and had a glance at the books, it became clear that the city was misappropriating funds from a TIF district to pay for ongoing operations at the city airport. City airport was a subject of significant discontent in Kalispell at the time. The people that loved the city airport wanted to expand it. But the majority of taxpayers didn't see the value of the city airport, and when they found out it was a money loser, wanted to shut it down and sell it. It was difficult to convince an 80-year-old widow on a fixed income that her tax dollars should be used to subsidize an airport that she never used and that was less than 15 miles from another international airport and was not able to generate enough revenue on its own to pay for its operational needs, let alone expansion desires. It was a huge issue in Kalispell at the time, and it became a bigger issue once we dug into the books. You see, the airport, a piece of public property that pays zero in property taxes, with the exception of privately owned hangars, it was included in a TIF district. And that TIF district was supposed to redevelop the south end of Kalispell. And some of the south end of Kalispell was redeveloped with TIF dollars. But what we also discovered was that the city airport was drawing from the TIF fund to cover its overhead, its operational needs, because the fees it was charging weren't enough to keep it solvent. And the city airport was an enterprise fund, which means it was supposed to pay for itself. It was a business. And it was required then to pay for itself as an enterprise fund. Well, it wasn't. So what did those in power decide to do? They pilfered from the TIF funds. That's right. Those funds set aside for redevelopment and solely dedicated to increase the property tax revenue from the district. So how does subsidizing airport operations increase property tax revenue? It doesn't. No one wants to live next to an airport. It wasn't increasing private investment in the airport or the surrounding land. It was a clear misappropriation that had occurred for years. Hiding in plain sight. Because the city airport was a pet project that no one wanted to admit was a loser business venture for the city and added no value to the 80-year-old widow taxpayer on a fixed income. So did the misappropriation stop once we dug in? Yep, it sure did. But that's only because the elected officials at that time had integrity. And who knows if it was city staff versus elected officials that made the decision to pilfer from the TIF fund. Because unless you care 
and you dig into the books, this kind of stuff can happen right before your eyes. In every budget book, the transfer from the TIF was revealed, but no one paid attention to that detail. Just passed the budget as it was presented, thereby anointing the misappropriation. And here's the problem, folks. When someone starts an elected office, they don't know what they're doing. I had no idea what I was doing as mayor, and it was my first foray into politics. I didn't even know the form of government we had in the city of Kalispell when I agreed to run for office. I had to do a shit ton of research in order to prepare myself for the position. And should we expect that anyone running for public office researches the position and what it entails, what the obligations and responsibilities are? Yes, absolutely. But do they? No. Folks, there's a reason why I moved to the county immediately after I was done being mayor. Because I saw over the course of my four-year term how easy it would be with the swing of one election to change the course of Kalispell. I worked with incredibly intelligent folks and total dum-dums who wanted the job because of the health insurance benefits. And when those folks aren't minding the store, taxpayers get screwed. And here's another thing. When you're the person disrupting the apple cart, making significant and sweeping changes, you make enemies. Because people who think they run the town like to own the politicians. And if you are a public servant who has integrity, you can't be bought, not with money or false adoration. And if you see the problems and you act to change things that have been in place for years, that favored the folks in power over those 80-year-old fixed income residents that live on the west side of town, well, you make enemies. And those enemies do some awful things. Like write letters to your colleagues and friends telling them you're corrupt. Going to the public on TV city council meetings and accuse you of committing a felony and threatening prosecution. Baseless accusations, but said in front of God and my mother and everyone in the viewing public to intimidate and bully you out of office. Because the threat of losing power, losing control, makes the people who are threatened by the actions of good elected officials go nuts and resort to anything to get you to stop. Even in small town Montana. So good folks don't stay in office very long as changemakers because it's a constant barrage of bullshit. It's how I knew we were doing the right things as a city council. The objections from those who viewed themselves as powerful got very loud and personal. And so when I was done with my four years, I had used up all of my political capital to convince the majority of the city council to make some great changes that set up Kalispell for a strong future. But I was also exhausted by the constant attacks. And when another good person of strong character agreed to take the mayor's seat, that was a great relief. But over those four years, some of the same people that voted for really bad policies and budget decisions somehow voted with the majority against those same bad policies and budget decisions because they were followers who didn't mind the store, who were just dialing it in. They weren't invested in the position. They were invested in obtaining health insurance and feeling important. Knowing this, it's easy to see how one election can completely tank a city. 
government policy is fragile, especially local government. So, having seen how TIF districts are misused, I now pay attention to how TIF dollars are being used. And their misuse occurs in front of our faces all of the time. Take the city of Missoula. It is more expensive to live there than almost anywhere else based upon how the city messes with its funding mechanisms. If there are 20 lines on your tax bill that are added to your base property taxes, pay attention. That's a sign. If it says special district or fee, that's how a city is screwing with you and raising your taxes because what used to be paid by the general fund is now being paid by special district fees. And Missoula has done this with things like parks and city lighting and tree maintenance. It's just absurd. But they decided to grow city government staff and overhead. And with that growth, the general fund could no longer pay for the basic services it used to pay for. So they added special districts and fees as separate outside of the general fund buckets that all you Missoulians have to contribute to and used to all be paid for by the general fund. But other than my problems with how Missoula has screwed over its taxpayers with illusions on their tax bills, people, you got to understand when the city says, quote, we haven't raised your taxes, they're really saying, we haven't changed the dollars going to the general fund. And that's true. They just leave out that important part. But we added special buckets that suck dollars from your pocket to the buckets in addition to the general fund. It's illusion creating, and it's just a lie that they tell with a straight face. So Missoula is also screwing with TIF funding and covers its misuse of funding in an altruistic veil. Affordable housing is a problem across the state of Montana. Missoula, Bozeman, and Kalispell in particular have virtually zero housing inventory, and none of it is affordable. It's killing employers, employees, our elders on fixed incomes. It's just awful. Some people think government should fix the issue. Mickey and I don't share that belief, but some people do think that. And some folks in Missoula think it's government's role to fix the affordable housing problem, not recognizing, of course, that it is government that created the housing problem to begin with by adding regulations and restrictions that increase substantially the cost of building housing. Oh, yeah, and by regulating out of existence the only unsubsidized affordable housing Mobile homes, because trailers are apparently unsightly to the city councils in most of Montana's cities. But I digress. Anyway, the mayor of Missoula, John Ingen, determined that Missoula needed to acquire affordable housing and rent it out. And Missoula has been doing this for a while. They bought a hotel and are remodeling it for low-income housing. So how does TIF funding come into this? Well, the mayor is funding these acquisitions with TIF funding. The city of Missoula has an agreement to buy a 21-unit apartment building that provides affordable housing for people living with mental illness or disabilities, the city said Monday. The Western Montana Mental Health Center built the apartment building in 1998 with public funds, but restrictions on the building's use based on that funding have expired. The center's board decided earlier this year to move away from offering housing to clients. CEO Levi Anderson said they couldn't find someone to buy the building to continue to provide low-income housing, so they put it on the market for nearly $2.2 million. Missoula and another buyer put in offers, and the center initially accepted the other offer, drawing anger from Mayor John Engen. The other buyer backed out for undisclosed reasons, and the city is now working to purchase the building through the Missoula Redevelopment Agency. Quote, 
One of the most effective ways to house folks is to ensure that they're not homeless to begin with, Engen said in a statement. Our agreement with Western guarantees long-term stable housing for residents who would otherwise be exceptionally vulnerable in Missoula's tight real estate market. The city plans to take care of any deferred maintenance while also seeking a partner to operate and potentially purchase the building, provided they guarantee it will remain low-income housing, Engen said. The Western Montana Mental Health Center is excited to arrive at a resolution that allows this supportive housing to be maintained in public ownership while allowing our agency to continue focusing on clinical programs and services, Anderson said in a statement. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Sounds like the city government is coming in to save the day, right? What a nice thing for city government to do. Except, did you hear how they're paying for it? When they say purchase the building through the Missoula Redevelopment Agency, well, that's the agency that doles out the TIF funding. That's right. They're paying for it with TIF dollars. And remember, TIF dollars are supposed to increase the tax revenue coming from the property via redevelopment. But this venture takes private property off of the tax rolls. So it will generate no tax dollars because it's government-owned. And even if the city resells it, will the tax base increase since the stated requirement by the mayor is to keep it as it currently is, which is low-income housing? Do we have a lot of people who want to buy property right next to low-income housing? Nope. So how will this increase the tax base? It won't. But they'll use the money from the TIF fund anyway. Because they can. Because no one is objecting and no one is minding the store. Now, we leave it to Missoula to decide if it wants to be in the housing business. And if they want to use general fund monies to take property off the tax rolls and rent it out, that's Missoula's business. But you can't blatantly violate the laws creating TIF districts and designating how those TIF funds can be spent simply to fund your pet projects. Because if they do it for this, what else are they doing it for? I mean, the agency that controls these funds tells you in black and white what the funds can and must be used for. The Missoula Redevelopment Agency, or MRA, is a public agency created in 1978 that operates in accordance with state law to revitalize Missoula's urban renewal districts. MRA partners with public and private entities to help improve economic vitality, create jobs, and encourage investment in the districts. MRA also invests in public improvements like parks, trails, streets, and sidewalks. All decisions about MRA projects are made by a five-member board of commissioners who are appointed by the mayor and approved by city council. How does buying low-income housing, quote, revitalize Missoula's urban renewal districts? Here's the answer. It doesn't. How does buying low-income housing improve economic vitality, create jobs, and encourage investment in the TIF district? It doesn't. And will these appointed-by-the-mayor commissioners balk at the mayor's proposal to misappropriate TIF funds for this laudable purpose of buying low-income housing? They were appointed by the mayor. So I doubt it. And will anyone on the city council object? Probably not. Because 
they will be viewed as objecting to affordable housing, not the misappropriation of funds. And so, right before your eyes, you will see misappropriation, knowingly performed without consequence. Because to the mayor, the ends justify the means. But that's not what the school district bargained for, or the county, or the taxpayers in that district. That's not what they were told they would get. But it's the mayor's pet project, and he's running for re-election. And unless we hold all elected officials accountable, this will just continue to happen. You know why school-sponsored prayer occurs on virtually every football field in Montana? Or why the Ten Commandments are on the courthouse lawn in Kalispell, despite the separation of church and state? Because no one objects. Yeah, it's against the rules, but no one objects. So if you wonder why the far left and the far right have taken over our government, folks, we all stopped minding the store and assumed the people in positions of power would work for us and would abide by all laws in place. And we were wrong, folks, terribly wrong. And now we're left with a divided country with wackadoos in charge. And the rest of us conservative Republicans and blue dog Democrats just become orphans of our own parties. We can only turn this bus around if we re-engage, pay attention, and have the guts to speak up when anyone in government doesn't play by the rules, even when their choices are politically popular. Because if we don't have standards, if we don't adhere to our existing standards, we will have chaos. And our elders on fixed incomes and our kids who inherit the government debts will ultimately suffer the most. Thank you for taking us with you on your journey today. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Montana Values Podcast. Consider sponsoring the show by going to our website, montanavaluespodcast.com, locating the sponsor page and clicking on the donate button. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at MTValues. Find us on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. What's your favorite Montana value? How do you live it? Write to us. Our email address is montanavaluespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.